That one? <laughs> you sure? This is the About Violence podcast, and uh, today is going to be a spicy one. Um, I'm going to try to kill Travis halfway through <laughs> this podcast, and uh, I'm just going to set this knife here, and at some juncture, and this Emerson is, I mean, it is like crazy sharp. Yeah, you can shave with it. Yeah. Um, and at some point, he and I are going to fight to the death. It's fair. May, may uh, the be odds ready. be ever in your favor. Always be ready. With us today, Lieutenant Colonel Lisa Jester. Yes, sir. One of the first three women rangers to graduate from the Herald Leadership School, that is Ranger School. Yes. And um, you have had an incredible military career. You're an amazing mom. You're an athlete. And... Um, and I, I, I want to dive into ranger school, but before we get there, want to really hit on some leadership. Um, leadership is is something in, uh, in every occupation that has to go and once into the fray, without leaders, you're doomed to fail, period. Um, you, you can look at every single military battle and you and ones that fail and you're like, Man, leadership was a major, major, major influence into why this didn't work out. Um, you know, you, I, I had the privilege to um, go to one of your events and one of your ceremonies and, and looking at the um, revere that people have for you was, uh, was a privilege and it was an honor to be there. And, uh, but it was, it was more um, the, the light and excitement of the soldiers, especially the young women soldiers looking at you. I mean, it, it was, it was palatable. I could, I could literally just see them looking at you as like, that's Lisa Jaster. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. So, um, I also want to read a passage from your new book, delete the adjective. And, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second to my right, the one and only Travis Joyner that we will be uh, fighting today. Yeah. How was grappling? Uh, it was great. We had a good turnout for a Thursday. Big group. Yeah. Got a good sweat in. It, the, it's weird. Our, uh, I don't know if it's because we have Giancarlo Bedoni and he's kind of the no-gi world champion yeah. at ADCC right now. But our no-gi classes have definitely been... It's the new hotness. It's lame. Whatever, it's lame. Wants. I don't know why. You don't walk down the street wearing rash guards. True. Yeah. Like, I could choke you with your shirt. I promise. Well, it's a kind of a cheap shirt. It might fall apart. I don't know. I don't know. I can, we can do it. (laughs) We have skills. We can find a way. Yeah. All right. Lisa. Yes, sir. Let take us back to the beginning. When did you decide you wanted to be in the military? And then what school did you go to? Oh, wow. That's, uh, way back. So honestly, um, deciding to be in the military goes back to the first Gulf war. Like I was watching TV and I'm like, these, these people on TV are real heroes. Like Gulf, Gulf storm. Yeah. Like, Uno. like me in sixth Not grade. Shock and awe. Yeah, me in okay. sixth grade watching TV, and we were authorized. My parents were good parents, mostly. Um, but my parents were good parents. We were authorized an hour of TV a day in the summers and when we weren't in school. So we were watching the news, and the Gulf War was going on, and it was like, oh, my God. You know, these, these are real heroes. These aren't, yeah. you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want to grow up and be an actor or an actress. I want to be a singer. I want to be famous. And I was watching these people, and they were heroes. Yeah. They, they were true heroes. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get my red, white, and blue out, and I'm, I'm all about it. And then my grandmother sends me a book, 
from one of the first women to graduate from West Point in the class of 1980. And it's called In the Men's House. And I'm reading this book. I'm like, wow, this sounds really hard, but not not bad hard, but challenge yourself emotionally, physically, academically, definitely mental strength. I want to do this. So at 11 years old, I said, I'm going to not only join the military, but I want to go to West Point. And so in seventh grade, I started writing my congressmen, my senators. I was the only non-blue hair at all of the, you know, political events that they had in my small hometown of Plymouth, Wisconsin. And that was it. And, And I never changed. All the way through West Point. All the way through West Point, yeah. Yep. Are you wearing a ring right now? I'm always wearing my ring. Hey, can I just hear what it sounds like on the table? Oh. That's what it sounds yes, like. Yes, it's beautiful. Do you know what this means? No, what's the... Okay. Ring knockers? So, the oh. Yeah, so a ring knocker, West Point, There, there's like this unspoken, but it's an overt. If I was reaching for my water, I would go... Yeah. Just so you could hear the ring knock on the uh, table. Just, okay. just as a subtle it. reminder yeah. that so I'm the bomb.com. You don't have to leave it out there, but it's like it's here. And but because of this, there's this like this unspoken bond and a support. So like if I'm asking, maybe we're going to collaborate in a way, but because we are both West Point graduates, um, we're going to do it. Okay. And we're going to do what we want because it's us. Um, and it's like, well, have you ever reconsidered... Uh, like as a West Pointer, I'm walking into maybe her area of operation and I want to do an operation there and I'm immediately going to segue into like, oh, what what year did you graduate? Oh man, we were- What company were you in? Oh yeah, Yeah, do you know so-and-so? We're just like a year apart, that's crazy. And then it's like rapport and lame and off they go. Yes, super lame and he's just jealous. Yeah, my (laughs) my seven-year-old has the same current- uh, desire to go to the academy, and uh, so I have a solid ten years to discourage him and uh, try to prevent him from going to any military academy to include West Point. But right now, it's like he's going to go to West Point. That's not going to happen. Well, you know, the history that most people read came from the people who graduated from that school. So it, it is pretty epic um, if you can stay humble enough. Yeah. But when you it's walk- It's a hard thing when you graduate from there. When you walk through and all the barracks are named after famous generals and you're looking at a statue of General Patton and you're reading stuff that he wrote when he was a cadet sitting in the same halls that you're sitting yeah. in. It's, there's an arrogance that comes with being a West Point grad, but there's also a huge humbling experience. Like, how could I ever live up to these generals that people quote 60 years yeah. later? I, was, uh, I stayed in Will Moore's, uh, Colonel Will Moore's room at the hotel. There. Yeah. And um, we, uh, same thing. You know, you're walking down the hallway and it's just like, epic general, epic general, epic general. And then you walk in and it's like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> Do you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty rad. Him and Command Sergeant Major Plumley at uh in uh, Vietnam. Yeah. We were soldiers. Amazing book. Great movie. Yeah, great movie and fantastic book. Um speaking of fantastic book, this uh delete the adjective. What what made you want to write a book about what has been a pretty controversial um so as a Ranger School graduate um, and an outspoken uh, proponent of standards across the board for whether it's Green Berets, Navy SEALs, or Ranger School, um, I have never deviated in my language Mm -hmm. and been very specific as like, if we are going to put people through training, they're going to be trained to a standard, period. Yes. I'm fine. The military has been the first to do a lot of things Mm -hmm. in a great way socially we have um you know like in a first combat pilots Mm -hmm. yeah that's right the military yeah you know the uh 
pilots overall. You know, how, how many commercial pilots were there that were African-American before the military? Zero. Right. We did it first. Um, removing segregated barracks from universities. Guess who did it first? We did it first. Yep. And so we, we have been the first in a lot of ways. And um, women in combat arms has been a question as how do we do it? Yeah. We, we haven't known how to do it, but without a doubt, the best place to start experimenting is in training. And Ranger School is a training school for leadership. Yes. So what um, not quite getting into the book or into your experiences <laughs> yes. from West Point all the way to ultimately going to Ranger School. What 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 did your career look like? We know you're I know you're an engineer. Yes. Um, but so from West Point, where did you go? So that's a long period of time. First yeah. of all, uh, people normally go. Why did to, you go to Ranger School so late? <laughs> because it wasn't open any yeah. earlier. That's right. Yes. Yes. So people normally go to Ranger School when they're in their early twenties. Yeah. I went at thirty-seven. So Ooh. you're talking about twenty-two oh, to so thirty-seven. Close. <laughs> I said thirty-six or thirty-seven. Yep. I wasn't. I, was pretty I sure. turned thirty-eight like a week and a half after graduation. So um, that's like, wow, that's yeah. hard. Yeah, I, I was already old. Yeah. <laughs> I already had hip surgery prior to that. Everything, but. Um, to go back. So I did seven years of active duty. What that looked like was Fort Leonard Wood, because that's where the engineers are, home of the engineers. Um, what and is that nasty punch you guys make? Oh, uh, the... Grog. The, yeah, the grog. The engineer grog. disgusting. It, it, it was especially disgusting the night you came, because we were trying to limit alcohol, because yeah. I had a few units deploying that were um, partying heartily prior to deployment. So and we I didn't want to be rude. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, this is a key leader engagement. So, you know, I'm, I'm here at the request of, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Jaster. So like, sure, I'd love to have a sip. What the hell is this? <laughs> this is disgusting. What's, they, they, it, what's it made of? It's, Everything. It's dirt because, you know, we're engineers. It's stuff that's red, stuff that's white. Okay. Um, and they, they, they say these things like they pour, they, and this is for. And you don't do that? No, we don't do that. Though. We, oh, we like scalp people and then, you know, like kill donkeys and throw them down. No, no. <laughs> people are going to believe you, by the way. No, they do. We're, we're like ambassadors. You know, we mm. wear suits and we talk to people and we encourage democracy and capitalism. Suits, That's all we do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Special forces, highbrow, monocles, bow ties. Yes. That's it. Yes. <laughs> you. Okay. So okay. Leonard Wood, yes. engineer. Leonard Wood went to Fort Stewart, Georgia, um, was a force comm asset. So for people who don't know, forces command, that's a higher level asset that can be deployed with anyone. September 11th occurs. I got my September 11th story like everybody does. I was already active duty. What class were you? Class of 2000. Oh man. So Nick Palmashano was a class before you. Yes. But um, I didn't know him. Theo Unbehagen? <sighs> no. Uh, he's my current boss. See, you're a West Pointer too. Are you going to ask me what company I was in next? No, I mean, I know all yeah. the things because <laughs> I've had to work with every single one I already of these. got it by somebody who works yeah. here. They were like, hey, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? I'm like, yes, I actually do. See, just like that. It was like, I got a, a year group and I know 20, I know 99, 20s and, and, and 2001s. Yeah. Well, so. Danny and I are, um, are the same class. Wow. So. Okay. Sorry, nobody calls him Danny. No. Go on. So I uh, go to Fort Stewart, Georgia. September 11th occurred. I actually get put in charge of one of the QRFs for Fort Stewart um, as a, we were a combat heavy engineer battalion. So what that meant is I had dozers and scrapers and all of the construction equipment. But back then there was no, there was no route clearance platoons or area clearance platoons platoons. So that's what we used our dozers for, construction equipment. And um, we had to cut off Fort Stewart because there was actually an interstate that went straight through Fort Stewart um, going 
going up the the Georgia coastline. So we had to block it off with Texas and Jersey barriers. And if you're a nerd, you know the difference. If you're not, I get it. Um, but we were going in people's yards, like rednecks that hunted on the Contoman area all the time. And we were cutting off their little dirt trails that they used for hunting for years. Oh, they were so, I I'd had people pissed. throwing stuff at yeah. me. And um, my September 11th story includes a uh, spending the night before in neuro ICU on September 10th when one of my soldiers tried to commit suicide. And um, thank God he, uh, he survived it, but he was in neuro ICU. So I went from an all-nighter in the hospital to coming into work for my morning PT to see the second tower fall. And um, and then I didn't leave work for days. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't leave Fort Stewart for days. And being part of the QRF, we had to be on a 15 minute reaction. Um, there was a threat to like the daycare, so we had to clear out all the kids. And we're pushing, we're not only pushing strollers, we're like pushing baby cribs down the road, trying to get them away from the the childcare facility. So. I do that. We actually go to OEF1, Operation Enduring Freedom 1. And we go over um, at the end of 10th Mountains deployment, stay for all of the 101st. What uh, year is this? 2002. Okay. Um, Task Force Rakasan was there. Um, we stayed for Task Force Rakasan and then um, stayed there to do a handover with 82nd Airborne when they came in. And then came back to the States, literally got They're the, the best. Eight second? Those. Yeah. I love those guys. I like them too. Yeah. I did my cadet training there and they made me do a cherry jump for my sixth jump and actually had to put cherry pies in my pockets and wear a red helmet. And it's it was, awesome. Yes. It, it's exactly like the military should be. Yeah. It's it's mean without being mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not cruel. It's not brutal, but it's mean. It is because we were in the field for two weeks yeah. after that and I had cherry pies in my BDUs and yeah. there's lots of nasty... Bugs animals and everything Bugs. that wants to eat you there yes yes yeah um sounds like fun yeah. it is st mare is that really? what you jumped on uh i couldn't even tell uh, you st mare Gleese, it's that's like 1997 yeah, for me so. that's the one yeah between ranger school and my last airborne op was 1997 what yes so because i never went to another airborne unit yeah. um so yeah ctlt cadet training um was when I jumped. Anyways, to make a short story long, eventually I'll I'll come back. Um, deployed to Afghanistan, came home, and then 3ID out of Fort Stewart went to Iraq. So what year was Afghanistan deployment? 2002, and then Iraq in 2003. So OEF Operation Enduring Freedom One, and then I went over for Operation Iraqi Freedom One. And we tried to go in through Turkey, and we were in that group that got rerouted back through Kuwait. Um, and you then see, uh, December 31st was the last day for the GWAT. I saw that. Ribbon. What do you I think of that? It. I think it's been out there for a long time. Long time. Long time. A lot of people wearing it. Yes. Did you notice how many people don't have combat patches right now? I do. Isn't this weird? It is weird. It is weird. We've been in, or I mean, our whole entire careers or n nearly, you, you had five years without war and yeah. then you had, then you had 20 with war. Right. Um, you know, like I have 18 of war. Right. And so the, 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 the current era now where I'm like, there's nothing on your shoulder. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fuzzy sleeves used to be something you were like, Hey, you must be a Dodger yeah. or You're something. deployment Dodger for sure. Yeah. Like, that's what you are. Yeah. And uh, so deployment Dodgers, uh, you don't have a combat patch when you deploy to combat, whatever unit you deployed with, you wear their patch as your combat patch. So if you went with the 82nd, you're going to wear the 82nd combat patch. Okay. And, um, 
when you've been at war for 20 years and everybody's taking rotations into combat zones, everybody has combat patches. In 2002, for example, nobody had combat patches because right. we hadn't been to war in 30 years. Right. And, you know, Grenada didn't count, Panama didn't count. So, like, everybody was blank sleeves. And then 2002, deployments hit heavy and hard. And from 2002 to 2022, it's deployment, 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 deployment. You know, every other year you're deploying. And uh, and now we're back in this era where, I mean, we might have named operations if they're going to give uh, Ukraine an operate a, a named operation. Um, you know, if Taiwan kicks off, we'll have a Pacific named operation, but there won't be wars. So it'll just be conflicts. You don't get combat patches for conflicts. It's weird. It is. It's really weird. Yeah, weird era we're going into. Yes. Yes, and my unit just got a unit citation, so it's it's kind of crazy too because they're closing all of that stuff off. And yeah. um, unit citations are something another piece of flair you wear forever. Flair, um, like it. yeah. Well, I have a lot of flair, and and you know we can debate that all day. But I don't wear any flair. Well, <laughs> on on your oh, that's right. I wear your blues. <laughs> we won't we won't bust you out on that one but if you're wearing your blues you don't have an option like you have to have it match i mean you could do resume. your top three though you can go the eisenhower route yeah you can okay and you absolutely can so another option and still instead of wearing this like gigantic flare chest like my my command sergeant major afshim ariana um my man current uh, one of the command sergeant majors at seven special forces group he just wears the top three yeah I mean, he has one he's like a little dude so it looks redon- he looks like one of colombian war generals yes because he's like this you know Are those like, junior rotc cadets yeah. <laughs> yeah, his sleeve is this with con with with time overseas yeah you know, and then his sleeves this with with um all of his time in service and then his chest is like this so he's like yeah i'll just top three and you're like that's your and your top three your top three like so like you could have your silver star or bronze star with how many v's you have and he has a bunch and you know and then like purple heart which yeah. he has and then it's, it's like all right Minimal, all right minimalist you know yeah. so that brings up a really interesting discussion and it, it again might be a complete tangential discussion but i am five foot four 140 pounds and nothing about me says badass i was actually talking to somebody this morning and i was like you know i really hope that someday i get some cauliflower ear because because you know i can i can look cute and then you know if you start messing with me i'll just i'll just put my hair behind my (laughs) ear and be like oh yeah i am i saw you pick up 160 pound stone today in your neck veins we're like (laughs) Yeah, I, I have some little marks from that now. Yeah. But. So I, I don't know when, when you say, I don't, I don't look intimidating. I was scared. But so here, here's the thing, though, Tim, when you walk into a room and you're supposed to be the battalion commander or you're supposed to have a presence, it's I don't have a story like your sergeant major. Like, I don't have a bunch of people that see me all the time as a reservist. I'm not in a community like you are. I just moved to a new unit in D.C., and the first time I go there, we do judge people off their uniform. We were talking about the fuzzy sleeves. You know, you don't have a combat patch, but you've been in for over 10 years. Hmm, are you a Dodger, or did yeah. you like? Yeah. Did you sit in Kuwait? So I, I think that's a really weak and dangerous way to to judge people. Um, I always look at leadership and competency and communication oh, as yeah. the ways that I'm like. So I'm gonna, I'm, you're gonna have a grace period, in, and I will be quick to judge. But in that grace period, I want to see how you're gonna communicate up, down, and out. I'm gonna see when you step up to volunteer for leadership, not because you have an assigned position of leadership, but are you leading? These right. are different things, you know. And then like that, 
the the grace and competence that goes with a true leader like you, you can't miss it like it's 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 something that you see obviously like that's a leader oh yeah and uh like i i I honestly think that the vast, because we, in special in special operations, you have badge and tab chasers. Oh, yeah. So we've got guys that have all the awards and they have every single ribbon, you know, and they have all the coolest little badges that they can wear. I wear slick greens. I literally wear nothing besides yeah. what I'm required to wear. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they're like, Wait, are you airborne? I'm like, well, I don't have to wear it. I don't have to wear it. So I'm yeah. not wearing it. You're like, a, you, know, like <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, but, but it's an interesting discussion, right? Because um, there's positional leadership. Yeah, I'm a lieutenant colonel. I was a former battalion commander. I walk into a room. Yes, people know I'm the battalion commander. Um, but what I struggle with, and, and it's not on, it's part on me, but it's part on the audience, is when you don't have a mature audience that is going to take a, a second and really analyze your leadership or look at you for your presence, the, um, they're going to they're gonna look... <laughs> That's not a knife. No, I kill everything. <laughs> but they're going to look at you and they're going to assess you immediately. And so those, are, those aren't the soldiers that you necessarily want to lead. But when you're general pop, those are the soldiers you get. And how do you create a really quick bond and a really quick relationship with someone that as a reservist, I meet one weekend a month, two weeks out of the year. By the way, we're going to Iraq in two months. Yeah. And they're not going to have my resume. They're not going to know my story. But if I walk in front of them and have my flare on, which I agree with you, like I would go slick if I could, but I am naturally fighting some of the odds because yeah. people look at me, even, even during my last deployment to Iraq, I had a senior NCO come up to me and say, where did you get that Ranger tab? And of course, as a joke, I was like, hey, they're only $1.29 at the PX. Nice. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody knows my face at this point. Like, it was, it was pretty soon after Ranger School graduation. And if you don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not yeah. gonna, t I'm not gonna try to, whatever. And he started like getting on my case. I'm like, I'm a feel great officer, damn it. Yeah. And finally I got pissed off and totally lost my professionalism. And I was like, you can fucking Google me. Yeah. <laughs> And then I walked away and it was like, man, I got to figure out a way to do that better. Yeah. But I do, I struggle with that. Like I have some presence, but there's nothing about me that says, yeah, I've been to Iraq a couple of times. I've been to Afghanistan. I've done the schools that I needed to do. I, I didn't chase any. To be a good leader. Right. Wait, to be that, a good leader. Many things. Um, and I, I, I praise you often um, in you, you do have a quiet confidence and presence of like, if, you, if somebody walks into a room and says, I'm in charge, they're not in charge. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. if you have, if you have to declare your position and you're like, ah, um, but the, the quiet presence of leadership that you bring about you is, is, is a pretty remarkable thing. Um, on a funny AF story, okay. he, uh, was, in, was in an airport and Somebody walked up and asked if he was a veteran, and he's like, "Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually still in." And he barely looks like he's in. He looks like he could be a, you know, a homeless, <laughs> yeah, half Persian from San Jose. And um, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, like you're like special forces." And um, anyways, it ends up with, "Okay, you went to Ranger School. What class were you?" Like, I I don't know what class I am, and neither did he. And, right. And this guy ended up being a sergeant major that went back and was calling the command sergeant majors to see if the 
Aff, who is a command sergeant major, mm-hmm. um, was actually in the military and went to ranger school. Uh, he's a Green Beret with, I don't know, a dozen deployments yeah. and um, one of the like one of the best leaders I've ever met in my life. And and him, he gets questioned. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what you've had to experience and endure. Oh, yeah. You know, to, to be one of the first three women to graduate from ranger school. Oh, yeah. It's wild. Can I read something out of your book, and then then we get into a little bit a little bit of your book? Sure. Depending Doug, on, you, am I going to blush? No. Okay. No, no. It's it's. Uh, it's I mean, the, there are some fun parts of the book. No, no. It's it's okay. close out conclusion stuff. I really like. Um, I actually didn't start my phone. Will you remind me when we're? What time do we start at? Started at twenty seven zero. Okay. We'll keep you off track. Don't worry. Yeah. There's a challenge with being a first when you really just want to be accepted. When I applied to ranger school, I wasn't sitting out to enter the public's eye. I just wanted to be the best engineer, the best officer, and the best soldier I could be. The reason I have a public platform and a voice is the exact thing I fought so hard against. I'm a reserve officer in the United States Army. I've done project management and construction management for over 20 years in one capacity or another. I'm a parent. I'm an athlete. I take pride in being all of those things, but I want to be great at each and every one. I don't want to be good for a woman. I am a woman, but as an officer or a manager, I want to be the best, not the best woman in the running, just the best, or at least the best that I can possibly be. I love that. I think you should read my next audio book. Like that was good. Um, I, I love that on, on so many ways. Uh, here, you can look at these pictures of her graduating Ranger School. I remember seeing every single one of them <laughs> on uh, every news outlet as it was happening. And I had lots of thoughts. I didn't know you at the time. Yes. Um, and I, I love that for a lot of reasons. One, I, you know, I had ten, 10 years active duty and then also became, you know, a part-time soldier. Mm-hmm. And in that became an entrepreneur, um, an athlete, uh, and uh you know, a, a father multi times over and I learning how to navigate these sometimes murky, clear, unclear waters of, man, I just want to be the best at everything that I do. Um, but are they mutually exclusive? Do they complement each other? Right. Can, um, uh, why am I being judged at working on this thing when I'm also this thing, yes. but you're judging me off this other thing, which is an unfair perspective for me and this other thing that I have to do and this other capacity that I have to exist in. Right. Um, and it's it, in the same way that we are judging people from the 17 and 1800s with the values of 2023. Yes. Like it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Yes. And in your small area of expertise in your small perspective and you're in your small little world and your small little pond, you're looking over at me in this big world that I'm working in and operating in. And you're judging me through the lens that is not fair or accurate. Right. And you, I think have had one of the, the hardest, uh, roads to walk and having to deal with these people judging you. How do you navigate that? All right. So I'm a subscriber to GoodRanchers.com, and um, I get my meat from there with 85% of grass-fed beef coming from overseas sources. I want to know where my meat comes from. So all the meat that I put on my table for my family, I want it to be 
born in America, I want to be raised in America, I want to be ultimately harvested here in America. So I want American meat. I want to support local farmers. That's why I use GoodRanchers.com. So check out GoodRanchers.com. It's the best. You're going to love it. It's absolutely delicious. You know, I think one of my favorite examples is people love talking about how men and women's sports are not integrated. That's right. That's right. I'm not arguing that women should start playing linebacker for the NFL. Like, that's, that's never been the discussion point. It's what are the job requirements? And can you meet the basic job requirements? And we can talk about Ranger School or we can talk about the NFL. Do you have a 140-pound, 5'4 lineman? No. Gender doesn't matter. No. Like, there's no 140-pound, 5'4 lineman. Yeah. So, so is it a woman issue or is it a capability issue? It's like, a capability I issue. can't take a hit from some of those guys. Well, I can't take I'm a I'm a 220-pound professional athlete, and I wouldn't survive six seconds out there. Right. I'm, so I'm it's such a stupid hospital. argument yeah. to me where people are like, well, women can't do it. Well, what woman can't do it? Have you watched the CrossFit games? Like, you want to talk about chicks that can sling weight. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah. And that's just a fraction of the population. That's not talking about your, um, you know, your strongmen. And I, I competed in the tactical games uh, late in 2022. Absolute great experience. I was terrible. But I had a really, really good time looking at what some of those women can do. Tell me that they can't hold their own. So um, I've had a lot of fun using that example uh, of is it really – the fact that I'm female, or is it the fact that I'm not a huge person? Um, and the other thing is people have these ridiculous Hollywood visions of what war looks like. Um, do people buddy carry? I mean, you've been in really, really shitty situations. And was your first reaction when you had to get somebody out of a danger zone to, well, I'm going to fling them over my shoulders and run shooting a weapon. You're not doing that. There are occasions when you pick up your buddy, but it's not... You're dragging them, getting them behind a secure area, keeping them safe, protecting them, and then worrying about that. Yeah. You're not you're not running through the woods. My husband's 260 pounds. He is six foot nine. He's not a, he's not a small man. No, That's, no. Yeah. Um, and you know what I love is when all this started, and people are like, "Well, your wife is going to kill my husband. He's a tanker, and if his tank's on fire, she can't pull him out of the tank." My husband's like, nobody can. Like, if you've got full kit on, nobody's dragging a limp body out of a tank. Like, this is not, this is not realistic. Stop watching yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, it's 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 hard, but it's I like hard, yeah. and I like hard conversations. And um, so, a lot of people were questioning standards. Yes, they said there's two standards, and some were not being held to the same standard. Um, and the army is, no, there's one standard. Everybody has to pass at this rate. Um, you have to pass the five mile run at this time. You have to do the ruck in this time. Yep. You have to pass your PT, PT test at this standard. Yep. Um, for what is your idea or your view about women in combat arms roles? What do you think? That's a hard question. It's it's a horribly hard question. And and this is why. Because Ranger School, first of all, I think should have never been um, even debatable. It's a leadership course. Every book you read from anyone who's a Ranger School graduate, they say, and, and it is not a leadership learning place. It's a leadership testing yeah. place. And so my medics can do it. My mechanics can do it. Any MOS. Any MOS can do it. Non-combat arms. Except women. Yeah. So. Silly. That was silly. 
But combat arms is a totally different argument. And the issue that people want to argue is exactly what I was saying. Hey, your wife can't pull my husband out of a tank. That's not the issue. The issue we should start discussing is the socialization of women in male units. There have been issues in the past. There'll be issues in the future. But as but that's where we're a profession of arms. He's <laughs> kind of ADD, right? Yeah. I didn't notice. Right? Um, <laughs> but we're a profession of arms. So if, if you have individuals that add value to a unit, then they should not be limited. Yep. We have uh, the only unit of measurement that I think should ever be used in anything, whether it's going to be should race, religion, gender, insert any social dumb thing that doesn't actually exist in the military because we don't care. I care about merit and capability. The one unit of measurement that all I care about is lethality. Yes. Our job is to go out and win our nation's wars. For us to win our nation's wars, we have to be the most lethal fighting force on the planet. So if you're going to find lethality, it's one group, it's one team, it's one unit, it's one battalion, one company. It's their ability to go and kill more people than they are going to be killed. Yes. And their efficiency of doing that thing in lethality. Will a combat unit be more lethal lethal, or less lethal? Are there ways to test it? If we integrate, I mean, there was a time where we said, can, can, could we have black soldiers right. in an in, in a, in a infantry unit that was all white? And uh, hell yeah, we can. And matter of fact, they performed exactly as they did with or without it. Was there a learning curve? Yes, there was. Yeah. And that was happening in the 60s and 70s and well, 50s and 60s and all the way back to the Korean War and even back, like there were times where we had segregated combat units. Right. We had black only units. And people recommend that. Hey, we should have women tank crews. We should have women infantry squads. Really? I don't, I don't agree with the segregation no. concept. So, but no, I mean, people but, have recommended that for women yeah. as well. There, there unfortunately is not a ton of case studies that right. we can point to for data points. Um, Israel has, has all women combat units. Mm-hmm. They have mixed gender combat units, and then they have all men combat units. Um, and in, they've, they've talked about this and they've published some of the data and not a lot of it is available into which ones perform better. Mm-hmm. The ones that perform the least well are the mixed gender units. Mm-hmm. The all female units do awesome. Combat units, awesome. All male units, awesome. Combat units. And then you have mixed. That's not a great single source of data. When right. we get, like, do we have Finland, Poland, um, both with mixed gender units? It's, uh, it's 2023. At what point are we going to start treating this like adults and get real data to figure out the one unit of measurement, is this a more lethal fighting force with or without women in it? Right. Well, and I think something else we have to capture is that the women who are going to the recruiter and saying, I want to go infantry, I want to go armor, I want to go combat uh, combat engineer, I want to go aviation. Those aren't the women that are worried about whether or not they're wearing earrings and makeup and uniform. Like, and, and God bless all the women who, you know, look nice every day when they show up in uniform. That's not me, but, you know, that's fine. But my primary when I'm in the field is, is my camo good? And so, you know, you've got, you've got lots of women that you don't have a lot of women. You have some women, you have a small handful of women that are like living in the field is freaking fun. Mm. And those aren't the, those are the girls that get called bro by their squad mates, their team leaders, like, Hey dude, get over here. Those aren't the women that are, are looking to be segregated. So I think that's something else we have to look at is the 
we're not talking all women. And whatever you want to do when you grow up, fine with me. But there's a small section of us that are like, I like to hunt. I like camping. Mm -hmm. I like being dirty. I like working out with big concrete balls and whatever that thing was called with the Conan. Conan wheel. Conan wheel. Like, I, I like that type of this shit sucks. And so the women we're trying to integrate in these small units are also not the ones that are usually trying to make a ruckus or stick out. They want to be held to the exact same standard. Yeah. They they want to do the same amount of push-ups, pull-ups, whatever as the guys. I mean, you, you've seen this in the academy. You know, we have um, on, I'm sorry, in the two genders that we have, male and female, you have the spectrum, right? You have very masculine, type A, tough, you know, barrel chested, meat eating. I like to hunt. I like to break things, you know, like, um, that edge. And then you have all the way to the far feminine edge in, I'm a male and I'm a very petite feminine male. Totally fine. On Mm -hmm. the women's side, you have like, I am girly. I like to wear dresses. I love the spring. I love to wear spring color clothes, you know, and like makeup, have my makeup match. And that is a beautiful, we are beautifully built differently. And then you have on that same spectrum of, I am a woman all the way to, I love to be a tomboy. I love to hunt. I love to ride snowmobiles and motorcycles. Like I like to have dip and fight a guy, you know, like lift heavy Atlas stones and Conan wheels. And not that any of these things are mutually exclusive, but in the, in the, in the spectrum, the sliding scale, obviously the ones that are wanting that have a drive to go into the military, um, you know, probably lean a little bit more to the tougher side of that feminine line of, or not feminine, that female line or that female spectrum. So like in the police academies where, how do you balance? I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely mixed and, um, Standards changed? Standards the same? They are different currently. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's exactly what you said. It's not a gender thing. Like, we have women that come through our program, and I teach, like, the defensive tactics and the fighting stuff, and they are rock stars, and they knock it out of the park, and then there's others that struggle. Like she said, there's there's a spectrum. It's male and female, yeah. you know? Some of them just are naturally adept to it, and some of them struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, there's different capabilities that come with every single person. You know, we, we talk about assets and liabilities often. Um, does everybody need to look like a you and a Chantry? No. No. And matter of fact, uh, Chantry, our co-host who's often yes. in that seat. Big one. Yeah, he's not a small man. <laughs> um, you know, s- talented athlete, freak shooter, fantastic grappler, and he's just a massive dude. You know, black belt, professional fighter, amazing shooter, um, incredible trainer. And, um, do they all have to be like, no, there's different roles in law enforcement, just like the military, like different people do different jobs. Now, yes, at a base level, we all have to be able to kind of do the basics. But after that, like, yeah, there, there are other skills that people are going to excel at. You know, you need, you need the people that, Hey, take this Ram and go over that door and kick it in. Right. And then you need people that like, Hey, we need you to call this person and do this thing. And do the more complex task that that person's not. You know, I'm going to delve into a great example. If you haven't read Ashley's War, it's a phenomenal book um, by, I can't pronounce her last name properly, but Gail Lamont Zamak. And um, she's done a bunch of war reporting, and it's about the first CSTs, the combat support teams. And they were females attached to Ranger units, SF units, Navy SEALs. And 
those women added value by being female. And that's one of the things I try to point out in the book is that like being a woman does describe me. I am female. I just don't want to be limited or I don't want a tailwind or a headwind for being female. But there are times when having a woman in the, um, I've gone through a lot of floods and hurricanes when I lived in Houston off and on for about 12 years. And I would always go out there and a lot of times I would knock on the doors to try to help people come out. If my six foot nine husband is standing in the doorway, that little old lady who lives by herself is not opening the door. She would rather die in her house than be scared by that dude trying to save her. So by being a female, that was an asset. And I'm sure that's true with our LE and our first responders. Absolutely. And you know, 20 years in the Middle East, um, the value of women being attached to special operations, you know, we have, depending on the units, we have d- varying degrees and capabilities that come with the women that are attached to this, these special operations units. Um, we can't do our job without them. And um, you know, like I can't go and, at, at a key leader engagement where I'm talking to a warlord and I need to talk to the women in the house, mm-hmm. um, not, I can't, I literally can't talk to them. Right. If I even look at them, I lose rapport with the guy that I'm talking to yes. and ju- you know, judge however you want. That is their culture it and is. that is how it is there. Um, and having, you know, the, um, Shannon Kent, uh, yeah. incredible war hero, um, died, her husband, Joe Kent, is a former teammate of Matt Smith out there, and uh, Joe is r- running for office. He's he's an American, you know, he worked, is Green Bray for a long time, and then uh, be- worked for the agency for a little while. His wife um, was working for the agency, but in uniform and as a linguist. And, um, you know, a, a, another perfect example of there's nobody, very, very few people on the planet that could have done that job. I say people, not mm-hmm. gender people, right. humans on the planet that could have done that job. And she was one of those few people. Yeah. Um, ultimately how we're able to find bin Laden. Um, the, I mean, I argue there was one person on the planet. There's, you know, at the time, 6.8 billion people on the planet that were able to find bin Laden. And coincidentally, it was a woman and the way that that woman's brain worked and the way that she was able to figure out the pattern of life for those couriers and how the shoe's going to, um, ultimately leverage them to figure out where your, the principal target was, um, just one person on the planet that could have done that. Right. And those people were attached to very special special operations units adding capability. Right. Man, but it's just hard. Yeah. Because yeah. you give me the wrong girl, you put her on an ODA, the ODA is trash. Yes. The whole, you got, you got a special forces 12-man A-team, and we just became combat ineffective because of the balance of one new teammate. So how, how, do, how, do we, how do we navigate this? Well, and let's take it a different way too, right? Because if you get a bad dude, he's also going to be toxic, but... But I get to beat him. Playground rules <laughs> means that you, you can push him out. And so no, that... We, we, we push him out. We literally beat him and then kick I, him out I was kind of being room. wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge, but you know, if you want to go ahead and... <laughs> but we can't do that. Right. You can't do that to a female. So that's part of it too, right? How, how are we... How do you do that? Yeah. And how do we make it okay? Or not okay to physically beat somebody? Maybe. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know if I'm joining a team, I know at Ranger School, when we had breaks and everybody stopped being so tired, 
there was plenty of grappling in the barracks yeah. and the RIs would walk by and I know that they would just ignore it because that's, that's playground rules. How did you shower? Uh, <laughs> we took turns. Okay. So I, and I can go three minutes, especially with my head shaved, I can go three minutes from close to close. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of like washing. So like, there's like yeah. a big rectangle that is cement with multiple shower heads on it. Prison showers. Yeah, it's definitely prison, prison showers. Shower. And, and they have one beam of like really hard water yep. coming, bruising your and skin. There's like five hard pieces of soap. And if there's so many dicks and butts everywhere that if one of these soaps drop, it it's stays, gone. It stays, it's gone. On the, it stays down there because no, because you'd be like trying to get down there to get this thing. So you guys you showered separate. A lot of times what I would do is I would volunteer for like the 2 a.m. guard and yeah. then I would just shower right before my guard shift. Okay. Um, and that was at Benning? All. All the way through. Okay. Um, so you you get to mountains yes. and you're Dahlonega um, where now sleep is a commodity that doesn't exist. Right. Um, my 90 second to 120 second shower would be on the way to another activity. Mm-hmm. How, like schedule wise, so let, for, Ranger School is a leadership school. Yes. A, a lot of people don't understand. They're like, it's, it's combat. You're going to be like this army ranger. No, you're not. That's ranger regiment. Right. That is a separate thing than ranger school. You're a now, tab or a scroll. Yeah. I have a tab, not a scroll. And a tab means that you graduated from ranger school. Anybody that goes to ranger regiment that gets a leadership role has to go to ranger school and then go back to ranger regiment to then be in that role as a leader. Um, and those things are often con- conflated. Yes. They're different things. And I want everybody in combat arms to go to ranger school yes. and anybody that goes Agreed. to into a leadership role to go to ranger school. Agreed. And I do judge people that are in leadership roles without ranger tabs. Yes. Um, and especially in combat arms, if you are a leader in combat arms and you don't have a ranger tab, there better be a reason. And I, and I get it. There are career courses. There are things that happen, deployments where you missed, you, you missed your window. And, um, and I have friends that, that still, hold shame because they don't have a ranger tab that's me with the sapper tab like i could take company command or go to sapper school and i took company command instead because that's an opportunity of a lifetime to lead soldiers but i will forever like god i want to go to sapper school and now i'm i'm ranked out i can't go yeah so but in this they use sleep deprivation reduction in calories and physical physicality to create external stresses to then because anybody can be a good leader when you've had a great night's sleep. Anybody can be a good leader when you're well fed. Anybody can be a good leader when like you got up, you know, you did your 90 minutes of exercise, you stretched for 20 minutes, maybe did an ice bath, you know, like had had a uh, good day. Yeah, ketone, you know, my cappuccino <laughs> and then I walk into the office. Great. You can be a good leader, good for you. You know, right. like what are you like when you every wire on you is raw and exposed? Now, how do you lead? Right. How and do you everybody's lead? at least a little injured. That's right. <laughs> Nobody got away without a rash or an yep. injury. Everybody stinks. Everybody's broken. You need to give purpose, direction, and motivation to your team to go and do this thing because you're about to be graded on your a patrol or whatever this graded event is going to be. And your ability to lead them, not just like, hey, follow me, but motivate them to go and do this thing for you to get you a go because you have to get 50% 
go rates on your patrols in every single one of these graded patrols. Yeah, yeah you could even pass the school, but still not pass the school because you had less than 50% mm. approval rate as you went through each stage. And in each stage, every single one of your peers rates you. Oh, yeah. How are you rated? I was high on everything except my first go through mountains, and then I got a 70-something, which is still high. But I was, I was really high on all of them, and part of that was... Um, you know, being a 37-year-old mother of two, the sleep deprivation and caloric deprivation—not having sleep or food. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I should take those ketones. Um, not having sleep or food was something that a working mom with an infant at home, who you know has a husband that she actually likes to be around, yeah. who tries to still do athletics, like that's something I could deal with. And also at 37. Y'all that went through at 22, 23 years old, your metabolism is through the roof. Like I could, I could fast for the next 48 hours and drop all of like half a pound. I can't, I just have a slow as hell metabolism. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of that was I, I didn't feel, I, I believe I didn't feel quite as stressed out as, as most of the guys, but, um, I, I loved it cause I could stay really highly motivated, which is why I got higher peers and I was smiling. I smiled so much. And the RIs would get pissed at me. And they're like, who the hell are you and where are you from? Yeah. Because we'd be walking in mountains and I recycled mountains, which is the shittiest phase by far. To the, These mountains are huge. You spend an entire day walking up and then to make it worse, the next day you walk down mm. and you're carrying 60 plus pounds on your back plus whatever weapon system you have. And so I tried to volunteer to carry a ton of stuff because I, I didn't feel as tired. I was never a sleepy ranger until like my second time through Florida, but that's another story for Were another you day. you recycled mountain and Florida? And Darby. Oh my God. I did everything twice. <laughs> well, I actually did the first phase three times, but that's another, that's again, I didn't, I, I another didn't know story. That. Oh yeah. I stayed yeah. there six months. Man, I've brushed it. So like any recycle that then graduates, I like profound respect you at whatever phase. I had to do rap week twice. That sucks. Oh, that totally that sucks. sucks. That totally so, sucks. As you go through these must-pass gates, whenever you fail a must-pass gate, um, if you're not kicked out for integrity, a voluntary withdrawal, or like you're PNG'd for, for sometimes personality reasons, um, or you're not allowed to reattend, you can be recycled, but you have to select that. So like, hey, we're going to recycle you, or we can send you back to your unit. Every time that that option is present and recycle means you go back to day one of that phase to start everything over. Nothing from your prior phase carries over. Um, no goes carry over. You start back over with a clean slate, but you are more tired. You are more broken. You don't, I mean, you just start, you just start back over. Yeah. You're three more weeks from peak fitness because everybody shows up at peak fitness. Right. And then you're just downhill. Yeah. Yeah. I got down to like a, um, high 20s, 120 some odd pounds. And then, but because I recycled so much, I was able to chunk up in between. Yeah. And what did you start at? Um, I, I took weight gainer going in thinking that that would help me, but it just means I lost more weight faster. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I went in probably close to 150, a little over 150. Okay. How did you do the, how did you do the run at 150 pounds? It, that was the thing that was the scariest for me. Like yeah. I thought I was going to die. My knee started hurting. Like my body is not made to be at 150 pounds. Yeah. And, and I will tell any, and I've told Rangers school hopefuls, like, don't, don't pack on weight. It's, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not what your body's meant to operate at your body. The human body is super efficient and you're in the peak of your life. Like don't mess with it. Don't think you can war game your weight. Yeah. 
It's a bad, bad plan. Everything yes. comes with a cost. It does. Yeah. It does. 20, but 30 pounds from, so 30 pounds. Well, probably like 20, 25. And then, but I would, I would yeah, fluctuate in between. 20, 25, 200 pound men lose that. Yes. So I thought it was awesome. At one point in time, they told us I was getting kicked out and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I am ready for beach season. Yeah. Like I had abs. I haven't never seen my abs. It's just not the way I'm built. And I was like, this looks good. Yeah, Minus crazy. the shaved head. Cause I also have scars on my scalp. So very not attractive woman with a shaved head. Not a uh, Demi Moore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> eh. <laughs> uh, more Dem- Demi Moore. And uh, what was that Navy SEAL movie? Uh, G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane. We yeah. watched that right before I went to uh, the fr- to Rap Week. Yeah, Rap Week is the Ranger assessment phase. It's our our version of a Hell Week, even though it's okay. four days long. But. So, I don't even know what we were talking about. Leading up Tell to me. what we were t- talking about, the how Ranger School is organized to be able to test leaders. Yes, yes. that's the hard thing is finding opportunities to. You know, in every selection, we they they have an intentional moment for special forces selection. It's team week. Yeah. Um, like they people think it, these are must pass challenges that you have to you know be able to move this vehicle that only has two tires. I mean, we care. We're going to rate you if you successfully achieve this task. But right. we're actually just rating you guys right. on how you work. Yeah. And uh, Ranger School has a lot of those same elements to it. Um, Taking Ranger School, then as a graduate, there was it was a very public facing moment yes. being the first three women to go to Ranger School. Mm-hmm. Um, what was from your perspective? What did that feel like having? I mean, the the eyes of the world, not just the United States, the eyes of the world were looking at the first. Because oh yeah, we had international officers with us, yep. so yeah, it wasn't just our military. International press, yes, we was yes paying attention to this as well. What did that feel like? The best part about Ranger School, as you know, but if, if you don't know, I, I had no news, no letters, no TV, no radio. So while I was there, I was completely inundated with just my day to day. I remember picking up a newspaper and they're like, hey, uh, Donald Trump's running for president. I'm like, hey, this is this is weird. <laughs> I mean, that's how I found out I was delivering newspapers to the RIs. But, you know, you're completely isolated from all that. So I didn't feel it until I graduated. And once I graduated, my very first emotion was no wonder these RIs are so stressed out. Like the Ranger School instructors had to deal with seeing me and Chris and Shay rucking with our peers, carrying the same weight. I can't tell you how many times I was the uh, RTO, radio telephone operator, or the FSO, forward support. And I'm always, I carried that stupid radio or that 240 way more than I think um, the average student does. And the RIs are seeing me do this. I'm even getting RIs telling me, hey, listen, you know your stuff. And then they have to go home and they're getting text messages and they're seeing the news and they're seeing the media. So when I graduated and realized how public all of this was, I started I started feeling bad for the RIs. Like how could a ranger instructor professionally do his job and even grade equally or within the normal standards, whatever that looked like, when they were getting watched by Congress, when they were getting watched by foreign media. Yeah. So so my first reaction was actually for them. Like I, I I would never pity a ranger anything, 
but I definitely felt the pressure that they were feeling. And then after a couple of weeks, it's like anything, it kind of dies off. And the good thing for me is Shay and Chris were active duty military. So they went back to their installations and they were superheroes. They were being recognized everywhere they went. I went back to Houston, Texas, Shell Oil Company, and somebody asked me about my haircut and I didn't tell him, but I indicated that I might have had cancer so that he just didn't ask me about it. Yeah. Like, and hey, I shaved my head. Well, I was informed I should do it before I had to. That was the response I gave him. And then I just walked away. Months later, he was like, you're an ass. (laughs) When he finally figured it out, because I spoke at some company event. But they didn't care at Shell. The only thing they were mad about is that it took me six months to graduate. And I was my position was open for that time as they as they held it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. But, you know, being being in that world in Houston, not around a military installation, I walked away from ranger school and the only time it mattered was one week in a month when I put my uniform back on. Yeah. Now it's been a lot bigger of a deal because General Milley, right after I graduated, I got invited by Michelle Obama to be her guest at President Obama's last State of the Union. And I showed up in uniform and I didn't know how to act because I worked oil and gas and the military and it's President Obama and I'm trying not to be political one way or the other. And so I'm watching all the generals like when they stand, I stand when they but all the people around me are all high supporters of the Democratic Party. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So afterwards or. I think it might have even been before uh, General Milley was like, hey, it's really nice to meet you. And I said, hey, sir, this is this is an honor. You know, this is a this is as high as you get in the U.S. military. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, how do I give back to the army that's given me so much? Again, there hasn't been much publicity at this point. It's January 2016. It was a big deal. And then it just wasn't. As things started changing, then it was more about gender integration in the forces than actually Chris Shea and I. And he's like, I need you to be visible. Well, first he said, I need you to uh, come back on active duty and and join the infantry. And I said, hell no, I love engineers. I love my engineers. But, um, which is a- Of course, Chairman Miller would be like, this is what I need you to do. Yes. Come back active duty and go combat arms. Yes. And his his aide was like, "Uh, nobody- Nobody just says, hell no, sir. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Send me home yeah. <laughs> like, to my awesome husband and my great kids and my fantastic job. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing that, sir. What else can I do? And he said, be public. And I'm like, wait a minute here. We always talk about the quiet professional and you know, we're not Navy SEALs. We don't write books about this stuff, right? And um, he's like, no, I need you to be visible because some people cannot be what they cannot see. And, and I really took that to heart because, you know, I didn't need somebody, Chris didn't need somebody, Shay didn't need somebody to lead the way for them. They had male mentors and it didn't matter that they were male mentors. But there are people out there where it really matters. And and that's actually kind of what led to finally publishing a book is just saying, hey, there's women like this out here. Maybe you're one of them or maybe you're a dude who's never met a woman like this. So you automatically think that I need to carry her duffel bag because she can't get off the helicopter without help. Yeah, like That's the reason behind the book is the whole... Hey, I got to be visible. And and it's been hard to be visible, but um, I got some great advice from Mr. Dakota Meyer. Uh, he actually called me after graduating from Ranger School and he was he like... He doesn't say anything great. So whatever you're about to say, I'm going to discount as a lie. Okay, a it, was, it was fantastic. And it was great because last week I got to meet him face to face for the first time. He's a- but I... Um, 
and I got to tell him the story, and he actually remembered it or pretended that he remembered it. No, at he's least. sincere. He's an authentic dude. Okay. He, wouldn't well, uh, yeah. he wouldn't pretend. Well, it was really awesome because he called me, or I called him, um, and I'm like, hey, you know, what's up? Like, how do I deal with all this? He goes, here's the deal. 50% of the world that knows about you is going to hate you, and 50% is going to love you, and the other people just don't care. And he goes, just, just think that way. Keep that in your mind. And so as I got more and more public, and as more people came out questioning the validity of my graduation, I kept that in my mind, and I actually get on social media, and I fight, and I argue, but I don't do it like, hey, you're a dumbass, hey, you're a basement warrior. I do, okay, what makes you think that my mountains were shorter than the guys who were walking next to me? What makes you think that they pulled me out of places where you can't even get helicopters so that I could take extra showers? Like, where? well, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. All right, it's 2023. I graduated in 2015. Whoever that guy is is retired now. <sighs> and if he wanted to write a book, a tell-all book, he would be super famous. So how come he hasn't come up and talked to me yet? How were those uh, helicopter rides out of Mountain Phase to the showers, though? <laughs> I really wish that they were uh, what are, chow birds. Do you remember yeah. chow birds? Yeah. Um, I also heard that you got extra blueberry pan pancakes in Dahlonega. Is this true? Um, well, I will say I volunteered for a lot of KPDD. <laughs> and so if I was sneaking food, no, I, I never once. I was so afraid to be kicked out that I did not, I did not push any envelopes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Soldiers, Adventures, and Ranger School. Delete the objective by Lisa Jaster. Not the objective. No, uh, adjective. Yes. Um, on the back, we got Mike Glover. Good dude. Good man. Um, General Dunwoody. First female four-star. Sick. I don't know her. And the Honorable Patrick Murphy. How do you know uh, Mr. Murphy? He was the Undersecretary of the Army when I went to the State of the Union. Yeah. He's a, I love him. He's, He's a, a good, good human. Yeah. Um, please get this book. It looks amazing. Uh, as you can see, why, why is your head shaved here? Because I had to shave my head for <laughs> ranger school. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me you had cancer. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing book. It, it's, it is very military language. She writes it. Um, there is a glossary. Yep. On the, in the back, it gives every single one of the adjectives that, uh, and acronyms. That, that we use. So it's very helpful. Um, so 90 seconds of thoughts on this. The sole unit of measurement for any combat arms and the military as a whole is our lethality. Agreed. That's it. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care how you identify. I don't care what you wear. I care if you can do the job. And if that is our sole unit of measurement, we are not a place to conduct social experiments. Yes. Um, are we a place to be the most humane and care for everybody to our left and the right? Yes. That is what we do. Yes. Um, we're never going to leave somebody behind. To include behind in status, whether that's gender, whether that is, but not capability, because that, that is a self-selecting thing that on merit, you don't deserve to be there. Yes. Um, but if lethality is our sole unit of measurement, let's do it all. Outside of that, get out of my team room if you're not capable to do the job. Sir, thoughts? I think this was awesome to hear. Yeah, you're amazing. I appreciate your time. Appreciate your, uh, your expertise and your leadership. I, uh, your ring is fine as well. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, 
Go grab this. It's on Amazon. All places books are sold. Uh, you can get it right now. I got mine off Amazon. So that's the the preferred purchase place. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that works. Okay. God bless America. Stay safe. Stay free. This is the About Violence Co- Podcast. And uh, stay lethal. Delete the adjective. Till next time. Boom.